Hey everybody, welcome to another CornerCast podcast. I'm your host, Khalil, and welcome to February. This is our going into our 15th year here on casterscorner.com and God knows how many years of the podcast, but we're we're in the hundred over hundred episodes. So thank you guys all for supporting us and following us and, and being part of the journey of the last 15 years. And so this February I had a really great opportunity to talk to two people who definitely had a major influence on me opening up my website as well as some of the things I've done. Um, they've just been an inspiration to me. Um, and so next week's we're going to save that. I'll save that intro because that's a very special one to me. Um, but uh, this week's is, is, is equally as impressive. Um, I geek out a little bit at the beginning of the podcast, honestly, because at my first Comic-Con, I tell the story, so I'm not going to ruin here. But um, but yeah, so uh, our guest this week is Michael Crawford, um, who runs the website. Um, uh, let's get the right address. It is mwctoys.com. And you'll see the big Captain Toy um, in a lightning bolt, Michael's Review of the Week. And he does reviews of all kinds of figures, from legends to hot toys to statues and just about everything. And it is it is um, one of those sites that when I'm looking for a good photography of a figure, when I am looking for an honest opinion about a figure um and and deciding whether or not I'm going to purchase something honestly I I do go here for some of the higher end stuff in fact the reason I have gotten so many mezcos over the last 5 years is 100% because of Michael's review of the classic superman that they put out um a few years ago 5 6 years ago and it was his photography and his his um his review of it and look at it that really influenced me into buying something. And and to this day, I still check out um, weekly what, what he's been up to. And this week he's got two face up there um, from the Mezco 112 line. And it's a really honest, um, unbiased, really good breakdown of everything from the packaging to the design sculpt to the articulation, the accessories, everything, top to bottom, and uh, really respect him and everything that he has done in the toy community. And in all honesty, it it influenced early on the way I did reviews. And and I've changed and evolved and found my own style most recently on our YouTube page. Um, But Michael was definitely a heavy influence in in me starting the site and, and how to write a toy review and, and go through things and what people want to see. Um, so I, I really was honored to be able to take just, you know, a little bit under an hour, um, over, over zoom to talk to him. And we had a few technical issues. So we break up a little bit, um, part of the way through, I took off, I, you might hear, feel, uh, you might hear some cuts. Um, and that was us readjusting, um, internet connection to make sure um, things were a little bit clear. So I apologize for some of the rougher cuts. It was, uh, it was, I'm not an audio editor. I found out, I mean, I can edit a little bit, but um, 
to be able to clean those up, I'm not that good at it. But I don't think it really took away from the overall interview and the, the time I got to spend talking to him. Um, so make sure you check out Michael. He is at mwctoys.com uh, yeah, as well as his Twitter, um, which is Michael Crawford. Um, same thing on Facebook. And he has a Pinterest page uh, full of... Um, pictures that he puts on his website that is also, um, on his, uh, um, his photographs. So if you're seeing some action figure photography on Pinterest, it might be from Michael and it's mwctoys.com, um, is, or sorry, Crawford 5101, um, on Pinterest, um, mwctoysagain.com. Uh, to find out his reviews and and honestly the photography that he does in the pictures and the reviews I can't say enough good things about it um so yeah so uh thank you guys for for following us we're on instagram twitter and facebook we're at casters corner remember to rate review subscribe and uh, let us know who else you want to hear on the podcast um we're, wherever podcasts can be found apple podcast is probably the most popular and our YouTube page um, has been growing. We are on day 50, I think, today. Um, wow, that's a milestone. 50. Um, 50 days of toy reviews. Um, toy of the day. And so we're really happy to be able to continue to take that. And that's evolving as well. What started out as a YouTube video in a dark room is still a YouTube video in a slightly dark room. Um slightly less dark room, uh, but we're adding galleries and, and full posts on the website. So make sure you go to casterscorner.com and casterscorner.com is where you can find everything um, from the podcast to our toy reviews to our backlog, um, our archive of all of our reviews there. And so, yeah, so thank you guys for following and watching and um, being part of our journey. And we're going to have some fun podcasts this month um, to kind of commemorate that 15 year um, and looking towards the future as well. So remember, um, today it's me and Michael Crawford, mwctoys.com. So without further ado, it is me, it is Michael. Enjoy, everybody. Mics are hot. There you go. Um, so I... <laughs> I guess I should start start off by saying that um, uh, you were a uh, rock star moment at San Diego Comic Con one year, for, my first year for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think I had the nerve at that point. I think this was 2009, eight or nine, eight, 2008. Um, I saw you taking pictures in the Mattel booth. It was my first Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Saw you taking pictures in the Mattel booth and was like, I'm here. <laughs> it was kind of one of those moments like, oh, my God. Like, I've had some of those moments with other people that have done toy reviews before. Um, and not to fanboy out too much, but it, it was one of those moments where it was like to be in the same room mm-hmm. um, meant something to me because it was it, it was it was a site that I had been reading um, or known of you. Um, and so it, it's kind of one of those things where it's like this is one of my. I'm very proud to be able to to have you on the show and, 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 and talk to you a little bit about what you've been up to and how you've gotten here. Sure. Um, yeah, Comic-Con is one of those wonderful opportunities to to really get to see a lot of people. I really I missed it this last couple of years. Last year I couldn't go, and then obviously this year we had the 
Yeah. No, no, no place to go. No, no. And they, they waited. I talked to somebody and they're, they're like, they waited till the last second to pull the trigger on, on having it or not. And I, I personally am glad because I don't know if I would have been able to say no, if they were like, yeah, no, we're having it. Um, so it was nice not to have the decision in my hands. Yeah. I have to say that if they have it next summer, I plan on going and, um, and it'll be interesting to see if it's a little less insanely crowded. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or what they're going to put in place to do that too. Mm -hmm. Um, for sure. So, I, I mean, how long have you been running, um, your website? Um, uh, well, the website started uh, in 2000, so it'll be 21 years in February. Wow. Um, it uh, I was doing reviews and uh, um, other toy-type stuff on the groups uh, in the 90s. Mm -hmm. right? So you had Wreck That Toys, That Miscellaneous, and uh, Wreck That Toys, That Action Figures, a couple of different – Wreck That Action Figures, That Toys, R-E-T-F, I forget what it was. <laughs> The uh, you had a few of those different Usenet groups, and I and I and you know there was a there was a whole uh, uh, company of us that would uh, regular uh, post to those groups, and I would do reviews, which is where the Michael's Review of the Week logo came from. Because mm -hmm. um, once a week I would do a review of something, and then also would do uh, regular store postings, because that was you know back then in the late nineties you had really heavy scalping going on. And uh, so we did a lot of toy, uh, um, uh, what, you know, what you were seeing in your neck of the woods kind of posts uh -huh. to let people know what was shipping because you didn't have the internet that you have now. Uh, and then uh, we did a lot of trades too, a lot of stuff for at cost trades. And then, uh, you know, the internet started popping by the end of the 90s and uh, starting into 2000. And um, um, it seemed like a good time to jump on that website bandwagon. Yeah, I I think it it was it was one of the for me. So our my site started in two thousand six, um, so you were already rolling at that point, and um, it was one of those things where how do you do this? Uh, it was one of those examples of for me at least of like how do you how do you do this? Like what what do you do? What 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 makes a good review? Um, and yours was, it's, it still is. I mean, I think that's one of the consistencies that I see is like, it still has that, um, product review and, and you do the higher end stuff, um, mm -hmm. sometimes. So, um, how did you kind of come about like what, what was going to be your niche or, or how you kind of, uh, focus that? Well, I tried to avoid, um, being too, uh, line or, um, style, uh, segmented, right? So you had at the time you had uh, Rebel Scum who was doing Star Wars, and uh, you had the Mego Museum who was doing Migos, and you had you had group who were doing really specific. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be, uh, and I wasn't, I didn't want to be a news site. There's just way too much news, right? I liked doing the reviews; they were fun, but I wanted to make sure that I was covering enough different stuff. Now, fortunately for me, uh, and unfortunately for my wife and our bank, I like a lot of different stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I have uh, a lot of different stuff. So, so I like statues. I like mini busts. I like you know mini figures. I like six inch figures. I, I for a long time I collected a lot of four inch stuff. Uh, I like six. You know, one of my favorite things in the whole world is six scale. Has been my whole life. Um, and so, so it was easy for me to mix it up a lot. Mm 
-hmm. And that's what I try to do. I try to hit a lot of different things. Uh, and then I try to focus on the stuff that mattered to me instead of worrying about, you know, what do collectors, you know, want me to say? I figured that was going to be hard to try to interpret and change all the time. So instead, I just tried to make something that I would want to read about and do it in a style that I would like. So that's that's kind of how I went with it. And like the, I think the six scale stuff is, it's one of those rabbit holes that I've been able to kind of stay out of because it just seems like it gets so expensive. Like the statues in the six scale, it just kind of, I don't know if I could jump in that far, but I love looking at, at like, you're the re one of the reasons it reasons and entices me into getting into things. Um, so like, uh, where do you, where do you keep everything? Like I've seen you post a few pictures of your setup. Well, it, actually for a long time. Um, so we moved, uh, into this house about 14 years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, and when we did that, I, and in our old house, I had, uh, I had taken a room that was like our family room it was supposed to be like family room. And I had converted that into kind of a collection room mm -hmm. where I had all our stuff. So then um, when we moved to this house, uh, we bought it with a couple acres of land. And the idea was, oh, I'm going to build a building and I'm going to put all the stuff out in the building. And I'm going to have a really cool setup. So over the course of time, it, things, you know, life happens. And um, I did get my home theater built. That's where I'm at right now. I'm down in the basement in my bar and home theater. And um, uh, in, in, in this room, <clears throat> I was able to display a lot of quarter scale, like the sideshow premium format statues and a lot of movie related stuff, prop replicas and things like that. Uh, but the majority of the collection, I have probably, uh, the last time I ran through and cataloged everything, I have about 13,000 items. Wow. The majority of that was, was boxed. And then I did build a building. And the building is uh, 1,250 square feet. It's 25 foot by 50 foot. And in that building, it looked like the final scene in Indiana Jones, right? So you had boxes, all, little <laughs> aisleways between boxes that were piled all the way to the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And so it really annoyed me because for I would I would want to get stuff out to compare and do reviews with other stuff and I couldn't get to it and it was a pain in the ass. So in the end, uh, you know, I kept talking about how I was going to turn that into this room, but I it's taken a long time for me to get time to do that. Now my last two kids are off to college last year. Um, I've actually been out of work for the last year, and so I've had time. To jump in now about six months ago I jumped in real hard mm -hmm. on the building and so now I have um, about a third of it done I'm building I'm doing all the work myself so I'm building all the shelving doing all the lighting and I have about a third of the building done now I have to wait a couple months because I live here in Michigan mm -hmm. so it's cold and right and and while the building is heated obviously my garage is not so the, the place I would have to paint everything is out in the garage and until it gets a little warmer at least back up into the 50s maybe in March uh, I'm kind of on on a hold mm -hmm. but that's what i'm doing so I, like i said i got about a third of it set up when it's done um i think it's going to be really cool it's going to be it's going to be really cool to see it, i've i've seen you because we're friends on facebook so i've been seeing some of the pictures is that is that yeah the setup? yeah yeah like the stuff i showed this week with the pirates of the caribbean the hot yeah, toys yeah. or the indiana jones stuff yep that, that's stuff that's getting set up it, it looks fabulous it's i think it's every collector's dream I think to, to have that kind of space that be able to actually display their stuff because I'm in a similar situation where uh, everything's just boxed. Everything's mm -hmm. in tubs or um, I've been trying to keep things as categorized as possible lately. So I can pull things for review. Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, like that, that, um, that old conundrum of, you know, we want to put it out so it looks good, but we don't want to just put it everywhere because then we lose pieces and, um, it looks yeah. fabulous. Like it. Well, and, and, you know, every collector has their own way of doing it too. Right. So, um, I'm not a big fan. First, I like with all of it. I don't use stands. I, mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of any kind of stand. Not for six scale figures. Not for smaller figures, unless I absolutely have to. Sometimes, you know, they, you know, like I was putting out the uh, the Invader Zim stuff that uh, and the fairly odd parent stuff that Palisades did back in the day. And if you don't put that on a stand, it's not going to stand up. Mm-hmm. But that, that's the way they were designed. But um, you know, like six scale stuff, I, I I find ways where I don't have to use the stands. And some collectors really like using the stands. They worry about them falling over. They, you know, they, it's it's kind of up to individuals. Uh, so a lot of collectors really like glass cases right, where they're behind glass. To me, um, it gets a little too much like my grandmother's Hummels, right? In the in the in the china cabinet kind of thing. Yeah. I prefer stuff out on shelves. All of my premium formats that are in the basement down here are out on shelves. Yeah, you got to dust once in a while. But if you have an air purifier. You don't get that much. To, it, it also, yeah, that depends. It depends on where you live. You know, yeah. it depends on the environment you're in. And so, so here in Michigan, our environment's a pretty mediocre all year round kind of environment, especially with global warming. We're getting more that way. You know, it's like 40 degrees here in December. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're. I don't have the extremes, and so I like having it out like that, like you're seeing where it's on shelves. That well, there are shelves, so one covers up the other. There's no glass in front of it. You can actually pick something up and touch it and rearrange it and redisplay it, which is all the fun. I mean, one of the greatest things about about building this this collection building is getting that stuff back out of the boxes again, mm-hmm. finding stuff I haven't seen in 10, 12 years, you know, and stuff I forgot I even had um, and getting it out of the box and being able to, to display it. So, so that, yeah, that's, it's a lot of fun. It, it's a whole new different part of collecting. And it also kind of changed my, my way. Of, I, I've been picking stuff up. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, so people who, who have been able to have their collection out all the time will recognize this. So where you kind of buy for the display, mm-hmm. You, you kind of know, oh, I've got this setup and I've got these characters and I want this character. Right. Versus, oh, I just want to add to my collection. Right. right. You, you're actually setting, you're actually buying for what you what you can envision on the shelf right now. So that's kind of cool. It's, it's a little bit different. It is. I, um, I just pulled a bag out of my car. We, we went out to get something to eat the other night. My girlfriend was like, what's the bag? Because there's always bags everywhere. And um, I pulled the bag out and she's like, well, what's in the bag? And I said, well, I went to the Dollar Tree and I got wooden pallets, like little mini wooden pallets mm-hmm. and little mini um, uh, barrels that look like, you know, I could paint up and look like, you know, shipping barrels or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of blocks to make it look like boxes. So it's like I'm always constantly like on the lookout for those little things that can either augment a display someday or um, set, it, you know, set things up or take pictures and do a little more photography with it. Um so it, it is fun to kind of look for those opportunities that you don't you don't always know where they're going to be. I think that's mm-hmm. fun too. Is trying to find yep. out where those things might fit in. And that can the great thing about it too when you're so so since I'm building all of these shelving units myself and trying to go with a clean, very white look to everything to begin with, uh, like that Pirates of the Caribbean setup you saw where they're all there together. Mm-hmm. I envision you know once once I get past having it all set up. 
then I can go back and zoom into certain areas and you could add some moss and some background wood and some, you know, you can add to that display area to make it more and more interesting, more diorama like as you go along. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where for an adult, right? You're not sitting there banging the figures together, right. <laughs> having yeah. battles. This is where all the fun comes out of building the dioramas, having set up, you know, doing photography. There's all kinds of cool stuff you can do. It It's, it's refreshing to hear that excitement for it because lately I found so many people that I'm around have been like doom and gloom about collecting. Um, I need this. I have to have this. Um, If I don't get it today, uh, the world's against me. And it's fun to hear the other side of it sometimes and remind you of like why we're, why we do this in some ways. I think that's, that's been hard. I think the last couple of years, not just because of everybody being locked down or what's going on with COVID. It's been a trend that's been building of like this um, anxiety around it when Mm -hmm. it should be a fun hobby. Um, Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you know, I think doing it for a long time too gives you a certain perspective on things like um, there's things you miss out. I'm a completist. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and it is, it is, uh, it is the, I tell people the only difference between hoarding and collecting is a good sense of, uh, of, uh, uh, organization, mm-hmm. right? That it's, it's, all you're doing is you're doing sort of the same thing, but you're doing it in a very organized and thoughtful manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a completist, most of the time, now I don't have to be complete all the time. I can control it somewhat, but I do, do tend to like, if I start collecting a line, I want all of it. I mean, it's just kind of the way it goes. And most of the time, the reason it doesn't happen is if it's like a hot toys kind of situation where you're, you know, unless you're a billionaire, you're not going to have it all. Right. But if it's something like the world of Springfield Simpsons or the Palisades Muppets, or, you know, I want them all. I, I want a complete collection. Yeah. And and for me, complete can mean open and carded, a mix of both. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be one or the other, but everything that was produced. Um, and when you when you have that attitude, you also have to have on the flip side the attitude that you know you're you're going to miss stuff. Yeah. It's going to happen, and you're going to go a few years down the road, and you're going to go, oh crap, wait a minute, they had that. I had that exclusive and I missed it and I forgot all about it. Or I, you know, it's a Mezco thing and they did it on a Tuesday afternoon when I was Mm -hmm. working (laughs) and, and, but that's okay. It's okay. And it gives you something to eventually try to get. You got to have some grails. I mean, there's got to be stuff that you, you know, it takes 10 years to get. That's again, part of the fun is stuff. Uh, I have one of the things I like, uh, is from my childhood. So one of the reasons I like six scale so much is because it is from my childhood, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a child of the sixties. And so I'm GI Joe, captain action, best of the West. Yeah. And for me, well, a lot of my friends were GI Joe and captain action. I really liked best of the West. I'm a big fan of Westerns. And there, there were characters there that I didn't even know about as a kid, right? As a kid, they completely went past me. And as an adult now, there are two or three that I really, I'm on the hunt for to someday get. Mm-hmm. And I want them in really nice condition. They're grails. And I will eventually, hopefully, get them. But it's okay that I don't have them, right? It's okay that there are holes in the collection that I have to fill in. That's just the way it is. Is there any kind of um, – because I have a few of those. I have well, I have one. I have one that's – I don't know. It's been 1985, so however long that is, 25, 30 years, 35 years. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> that I never got. Um, is there any kind of like, uh, immediacy looking at like the idea that the longer you go, the harder 
and more expensive it's going to get for you? Um, well, it's, it peaks, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, 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 I think part of the problem is, is everybody only sees, uh, oh, it got a lot more expensive the first five years. Uh, but, you know, after a while, it doesn't get more expensive. Mm-hmm. It'll peak, right? It'll get to a point where it, uh, people who only care about it are the people who are immediately interested. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, you know, it, what tends to happen with the collectibles, it kind of does go through this life cycle, especially stuff where it is collectible. So you've got are buying it with the intention of selling mm-hmm. versus stuff that starts out as just toys, perhaps like, um, I'm trying to think of a good example anymore. Back in the day, right, Star Wars figures were made by the millions and they were yeah. just toys and nobody was buying them as an investment. Uh, and so you stuff that is a little different than now where everybody's right off the shelf. Stuff like that, where people are buying it right off the shelf. At this um, for a while, you'll actually have a period where it isn't in the hands of the people who really love it yet, right? Mm-hmm. It's still in the market. You'll still see it coming up for sale. You'll still see opportunities to buy it. The price won't go crazy. What happened is they'll eventually get to a point where all of the pieces are out there be in hands of people who actually want to keep it. Right. It's your sort of your piece at that point for it. And, and, you know, there are times when I've kicked myself. One of them in recent days is, uh, I, I mentioned Mez. I really. you hold one second. You're now, um, Can you hear me? You're breaking up yeah, just a little you. bit. Um, I might switch the camera off for you just so I get a better feed if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Breaking up a little bit. Let's see if that helps it. Okay. I think your camera's off. It's just frozen on my end. So. It's off on mine. Okay. Cool. All right. Try again. So uh, you were All saying right. Mezco? So, yeah, Mezco 112 Collectors, I really like. Um, and it's also, you know, right now, today, as a matter of fact, I'm reviewing their KG Beast that just yeah. came out this week. Yep. Um, that's a line where I got in right at the start. Mm-hmm. Um, I really did, except I missed the first toy opportunity and, uh, you know, that toy fair Batman a number of times for under 200 bucks, uh-huh. uh, because to me it seemed, you know, there was a toy 60 bucks at the time. He was, they were just in the line and I, I wasn't picking them up yet in any kind of, uh, extreme manner. And I really regret that one because now that's now a $1,500 figure. So there are times where you kind of mess up and it's probably never going to happen. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, again, for real. Yeah, I think um, for me it was the Superpowers Cyborg where it's hit that peak of, I think it's going right now between 12 um, 12 and 1600 bucks just for the figure and it's it's one of those moments where i you know i I haven't seen it rise too much i mean it's gone up to 16 but um it's it it's one of those things where i'm okay waiting like Mm -hmm. because i i I have a kick myself moment i found it at new york comic-con one year for like 275 open complete and i had just started a new job and didn't have the cash on me and it was one of those times where it's like cards weren't a thing it had to be cash and it just it wasn't going to happen um 
but I know that someday I'll get it. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting to kind of, kind of play that game a little bit and, and be invested enough to kind of know that you can play the long game on some of these things. Yeah. And sometimes you have to also have a certain amount of satisfaction for what you've got. Right? So, so when you've managed to develop a large collection, it's okay that it's got some holes. It doesn't mean somehow you've failed or that your collection isn't as good as it could. Yeah, no, I think that's when you start getting negative. Yeah. And I think the, the comparison to, what everybody else has also adds to that is the idea of um, you have to have more than the other person, because I think this hobby also breeds a little bit of competition um, mm-hmm. in it. And like, Oh, you got the cool toy or, or you got it and I want it. And how can I get it? And I think that adds a little bit of the negativity too. Um, yeah. And being able to balance that, that out for sure. It's also, good also, I mean, I love lines that, um, I just love them. That it has nothing to do with whether everybody else wanted them or whether they're collectible in the sense of they're worth a bunch of money. I think you know, you notice, it, yeah, yeah, and being okay with other other things that aren't super exciting. One of the things that you know is is nice is being able to collect things that aren't necessarily um, the hot thing, right? The most important, the most uh, desired in the whole world. So you can have parts of your collection, like I was saying, the, the Indiana Jones Hasbro stuff. I've dedicated a whole shelf to that. Um, I've got it all carded. Mm-hmm. It's cool. I think it's neat. It is, yeah. But it's not exactly like anybody's going to be um, uh, rushing to, to be excited about it. Uh, and another one I just put out on the shelf is uh, Chicken Run. Do you remember Chicken Run, yeah. the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Playmates did a line of figures, and maybe seven, eight figures, three or two or three vehicles. Mm-hmm. And they're really cute. Playmates did a lot of really good stuff back in the, the aughts. Um, and so I've got that out on the shelf. And so it's okay to have stuff that's, you know, everything doesn't have to be the hottest thing ever. Well, I mean, the Indiana Jones line, I've got a special place in, in my heart for it because it was something me, me and my dad had mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and and family too. And um, I still kick myself for not getting the San Diego set, but it's not something that I would probably chase because I have everybody from Last Crusade. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I feel complete because I have those. Right. Um, but, it, you know, if someday that fell in my lap, I wouldn't turn it away, <laughs> but like yeah. th- that's an example of something that kind of like skyrocketed. So it would have to be, I would think you would have to be a grail for somebody to really track that set down. Um, but it's, it's, it, it, but it doesn't feel necessary, necess- you know, for sure. Right. So um, the Mezco stuff, I will say it was your photography that got me into the Mezco 112 line. Um, I was kind of like, at a distance for it. I, I didn't, I was like, Oh, this is really cool. I wasn't going to jump into it. Um, I, I like the Mezco stuff. I, I'd seen some of it in person. They, you know, they give them to us sometimes when we go to toy fair and I was like, okay, I'm just going to kind of leave it alone. And then you posted pictures of the classic Superman and I couldn't help myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I really like it. It's a great line. Um, and then I jumped in and I found a, a store in California that we work with and he had everybody up until that point. So he had flash, he had green arrow, he had Lance, like he had everybody, um, zoom, he had everybody. So it made it a lot easier for me to jump in because I wasn't paying the higher prices because mm-hmm. he charged me retail for him. Um, but it's also fun to kind of get excited seeing what other people are into to, 
there's competition to it, but there's also inspiration to it too, I think. Um, oh yeah. Um, because we don't have the toy stores I used to go to as a kid where you could see this, a lot of the stuff out for yourself. Like you have to find it online, Instagram websites like yours, um, to really get a look at it, um, mm-hmm. and get a good perspective on like what you're actually getting. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that even reviews of stuff that's only 20 bucks, 20 bucks is still a lot of money. Yeah. You know, when you spend 20 bucks on a movie, you still go to movie reviews to see what's good and what isn't. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, when it gets to be stuff that's, you know, a hundred, two hundred dollars, um, reviews become critical to really understanding, um, to, to what you're getting. Yeah. And I think that the, the timeliness of them too, um, also helps you kind of inform that decision because a lot of times they're sold out before you, yep. anybody can even review them. So you're not even talking about a $200 or a hundred dollar purchase. Sometimes you're talking double that because the scarcity of it, um, mm-hmm. once it comes out, because there is that feeling of like, I need it. Um, so what, um, be the, so the GI Joe and the Western stuff kind of got you into it. Um, was yeah, it- as a kid, that's what I that's what I had, right? I had GI Joe, I had Captain Action, and I had Best of the West from Marks. So, so how do you jump from being a collector, being into the stuff, and liking it to? And you said you worked on other sites, but how do you actually? How did you get into sites back then to kind of start doing reviews or, or being part of an online community? Well, the, my group, my online community kind of grew out of, you know, the, the Usenet groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so people who started, um, you know, a lot of the RTM, you know, or even Timaniac yeah. yep. and I was Action Figure Insider and yep, yep, yep. Those, those guys all came out of this. We all came out of the same kind of community over on the Usenet groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, um, it was really, you know, easy to, to make that transition. I just, you know, I loved talking about the hobby even then right i love just just we had actually i actually formed a collecting group here in michigan uh during that same period late 90s uh called the action toy organization of michigan and we would meet every month and it was it's just great to get together and have ways to meet with other people who have uh you know like interests like that so so starting the website was just really easy for me it was you know i'm already an it guy so that 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 section of it wasn't really a problem um, and so uh, it was really, you know, made sense for me. Was there any concern about legitimacy or or what other people were thinking about it? Because self-publishing now seems like, you know, just the normal kind of status quo, whether it's TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or YouTube. Mm-hmm. Everybody's kind of self-publishing and doing their own thing. But back then it felt like there were gatekeepers that kind of you, there was a process or there was a pedigree you had to have. Um, what was it like for you to kind of take that on and, and just make it yourself? Yeah, it wasn't too bad for me. Remember in 2000, it was still fairly fresh and new. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't too much uh, difficulty from that perspective. There were some, mm-hmm. right? And um, and one of the things uh, was that was interesting was the reaction from companies. Mm-hmm. 
right? That nowadays everybody knows what an online reviewer or influencer is, right? And they all expect it, and they all anticipate it. Then it was kind of a new thing um, for people to be spreading the word quite so uh, far about mm -hmm. their products in such a quick and uh, immediate way. Mm -hmm. And so, so it was kind of interesting to watch the reactions of the companies. Um, some of them embraced it wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. uh, there were, you know, Palisades is a good example at the time, you know, you could expect that Palisades would, you know, send review samples of all kinds of stuff. You could expect them to be, uh, to share, you know, any good reviews, you know, widely. They were very much on board. Um, Sideshow is a company that was a good example of being really on board in the early days, right? They set up their affiliate program. Mm -hmm. Um, and they and they were one of the few that gave you know good money for their affiliate program in the beginning. Yeah, and and so you know they were really on board. They were really good at online customer service, and they really embraced the whole internet. Um, uh, but other companies, you know, they weren't nearly as uh, you know like the Hasbro's and the Mattels of the world. It took them a while. They weren't nearly quite as quick to embrace the whole thing. Um, some of the some of the retailers weren't quite as quick to embrace the whole thing. And it was funny, you know, one of the things that's interesting is um, um, I'm always asked, you know, do you get toys for free? And of course, we, you know, there are mm -hmm. uh, companies that send you stuff. Um, I always put in my reviews at the bottom, whether I bought it or didn't. Uh, in the early days, uh, I, you know, in the heyday, um, I was probably getting 80% of the stuff I reviewed. Um, nowadays, I get maybe 20 or 30% tops companies don't i don't think they really feel the need as much anymore unless they're just starting out no and um, and, and it's i i think the same way i think i think it was when i broke in it was it was harder to get any samples at all like nothing like everybody had shut down for the most part as far as sending stuff and then there was a period of time where like they were sending out a ton of stuff and i think we're back down to like the once in a while they'll send a promo it's not so much um a ton of product it's they're ca carefully crafted um uh promotion boxes yeah. which, are, which are fun um and it gives you kind of like a snapshot but not like a all-inclusive kind of look at something so yeah and and i would they would contact me and i would tell them look um because one of the things that i do think is very important is journalistic integrity, right? So I would tell them, look, it doesn't matter whether I buy this or whether you give it to me for free. I'm going to be honest in my assessment of it. And this isn't a marketing piece. I don't, I don't do marketing pieces. I do reviews. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be my honest opinion about this, whether good or bad. And so I, I would, I would always tell them, look, here's, here's a really simple way. And I, I also never gave anybody, you know, the option of, reading it first I, you send it to me i review it and it goes up there isn't right. a, there anything where you can say yes or no or any of that crap either and so i would tell them you know there's a really easy way to avoid this just don't send it to me if it's bad because <laughs> companies know i mean yeah. you know you've seen bad product you know what it looks like and it's not like they're stupid it's not like they look at it and they go oh my god this is you know the greatest thing we've ever produced they know when it's bad and so, um, you know, I would tell them, look, if you don't think it's as th your best effort, don't send it to me. And then we can avoid having that problem. It's, it's interesting to hear a different, for me, at least a different perspective on it too, of there's, there's a freedom to the, to the way that you talk about it that, um, I think I'm getting there. 
Um, but there's there's a point where building something like this, either a podcast or a website, you want you want to be in the at least inside of a circle so that you have access. Um, for me, at least it was, it was building those relationships so that, um, at a comic con, I could do an interview, um, or, or get into a panel or get into toy fair and get into a showroom to kind of do coverage for things or to talk about things. Um, and I found myself in the last couple of years having that attitude of, um, no, I'm going to talk about what I like and, and how I do it. And it's, it's a fun little freedom that I, that I mm-hmm. wish I had more of, <laughs> to be honest. Um, cause it's, it's, it's a little tougher to get on the other side of that. Um, right. because you, you know, you want to be at all these places. Um, but I think, I think one of the things I've said is a lot of my friends, I've nicknamed them the guys in the room. They want to be the guys in the room. Um, and and sometimes it doesn't matter who the guy in the room is as long as somebody's in there, you mm-hmm. know, and it, it allows you the ability to kind of um, you're still covering in some way, shape or form the um, the product of the day. It, it doesn't matter who's got it. It's just you build a little network. And that's been that's been fun to do, too, is building a little mm-hmm. network of people that kind of do this. Um, so. uh so what's some of the stuff that um I know the hot toys and stuff but and and you're doing KG Beast soon. Um what's been some of the fun stuff that that's kind of come up this year that's kind of really gotten you excited? Um mm, Let's see. Oh, put me on the spot here. <laughs> trying to think. I'm sure there's something. Give me a second here yeah. and I'll look. <laughs> no, I just, I just, because you do like, and, and like well, I said, I, I go through the site, like I don't, I don't do it every day, but like I'll, I'll catch up, like I'll do, you know, every couple of weeks I'll check in and then read everything. Um, one and- of the things that's, that's been, um, that I think is really kind of cool. Uh, I don't, I don't do a lot of the, the, the goofy little, and I never have the, the goofy little figures, like, you know, mm-hmm. before, long before there was pop. Funko's pop stuff. There was, you know, Hasbro did the mini, uh, mini mugs or yep. mighty mugs or whatever. They were. There's been weird vinyl, uh, mass market vinyl for a long time. And I've never really kind of gotten into that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I, back 20 years ago, I coined the term nerd Hummel. And that was the idea was anything that was truly not an action figure. Right. And it's not really a statue either. It's not a high end statue. It's some sort of little kitschy, completely unarticulated, usually PVC character. Mm-hmm. It's a true nerd hole. And, and generally, I've never really been too much into those. They're, but QMX is doing that series now of um, uh, uh, the, the Q figs. Yeah. Um, and they are really good. They're really cute. They're really covering a lot of licenses. Um, some of the bigger ones, like they've got one for it um, out right now. I saw the other day at Walmart. That's really nice. It's a really nice statue. Um, and so there's, I thought that's been pretty good. Um, I'm trying to think what else that's been unique. You know what? One of the things I found putting stuff on the shelf is that um, there's a lot of things that I didn't necessarily appreciate as much uh when i was looking at them one at a time Mm -hmm. 
for example, you know, like some of the lower end, and again, we're still not talking cheap, but lower end six scale stuff from companies like Star Ace and Three Zero um, and Asmus. Yeah. Uh, like the Asmus Lord of the Rings line. You know, there's some of those figures that are not very good. And there's others that are fantastic. You get them on in a group together on the shelf, and they really look good together. They, they really are a good-looking line together. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad that that's a line that's still going on, and we're seeing some more releases come out of it. Um, one of the things that you've done in the past, and I don't know if you're doing it this year, you do toy awards on your site too. Yeah. I don't know that I'm doing it this year. Um, what's been, what, what was that like to, where'd that idea come from? Cause it's independent um, and it's, it's industry yeah. and public. So, and it's, um, I think this is maybe the 14th year you would have been doing it. Mm-hmm. And I may still do it. If I do, I'm going to have to really, really put it into a time crunch. Cause I want to have it done by the end of January. And here mm-hmm. it is middle of December. Uh, so we might start it up this week. I haven't quite decided yet, but it's called the poppies and it's the pop culture awards. And for years on my site, I had done my own set of awards Mm -hmm. and my, my set of awards were unique because I did best and worst. Um, I was the only, again, I was the only person who was willing to come out and say who sucked. Um, and so I would do best and worst. And so I also did, uh, a people's picks, right? So I would, people who read my site could write in and vote uh, on their own set of awards. Mm-hmm. And I decided that, you know, there were two problems with that. Number one, first, my awards are my taste and my taste is not necessarily the same as everybody else's. Um, and, and for the people's part of the awards, it was just me picking nominations. Mm-hmm. So again, there was a certain amount of my bias that was affecting the results. And, I thought that what we really needed was a, a set of awards that kind of crossed the industry, sort of like the Academy Awards, right? Something mm-hmm. that was across the industry. And so I came up with the poppies and the way it's structured is there are a hundred, about 150 judges mm-hmm. that uh, I select uh, from five different categories. Now one category is collectors and they tend to be collectors that are pretty well known. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, so there's about, you know, a, a fifth of them from there. Uh, then there's an industry set. So there are people from different companies. Generally, uh, all the major companies are, are represented uh, by somebody from their organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a set that are artists. So sculptors, painters, usually independent folks that work on the stuff. Uh, there's a set that are retailers uh, that everybody, you know, like one of my regulars is uh, from, uh, the, from Walgreens buyer uh, mm-hmm. down to, you know, small retailers, mom and pop shops. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a set of media. So the other websites largely these days that cover toys. And so across those groups, I've got 150 judges and they come up, you know, I, I start the process, but then they come up with the nominees in 19 different categories uh, and then they vote uh, on what's the best. And it's a pretty cool process. I, it is. You know, now you got me thinking maybe I ought to do it this week. <laughs> I was at the, uh, at the beginning of the site. I think I, I did it for a few years. And then with with life and everything, I I kind of bowed out of being a judge for a while, um, and I enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, it really made me think too, because it wasn't just like the normal normal stuff that we're used to in this kind of realm of things. Um, and I thought it was interesting. I, I I enjoy reading the results every year. I will say that as a fan of of a, mm-hmm. a fan of it, um, it's always been interesting to kind of see how 
how the industry votes, how the public vote, how collectors vote. Um, yeah, it is interesting to see the difference between sometimes the industry because when they vote, it doesn't necessarily match up with what. Because I do the people's picks still too, and I use the nominees uh, that the same group that the that the poppy's judges will be voting on, and then we can compare that way. Um, and yeah, it's not always the same. It's kind of interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, I just it's. It's interesting. I, I realized that we're in December and I, I was like, oh yeah, no, like I've got to do my top picks for the year. And that's kind of where the idea was like, we do our top. Yeah. Yeah. If I do it, it my, the, the biggest issue is really actually uh, is getting the judges all together. That usually takes like a month to get everybody to say, oh yeah, I'm, <laughs> oh, yeah, if you fill this out. I'm here and I want to yeah. be a judge again. That's the biggest problem. It's not necessarily the rest of the, the effort that takes as long. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was definitely at the end. That's when I bowed out because I'm like, I, I'm, I'm notoriously bad at deadlines. So I was like, okay, I, I really got to get, I, I'll bow out just for now because I don't, I don't want to keep up the process. But, um, and the site, like your site, hasn't changed a lot. It's been consistent, and and I mean that in a good way. Um, yeah, it because- hasn't changed much in probably 15 years, except the one thing I did do is a few years back, I made the reviews uh, easier to read on a phone. Okay, yeah. Right, so when you put, bring them up on a phone, they're fit to the screen and you know they're easy to scroll through on a phone. But otherwise, there hasn't been a lot of change. I like the format and I like the way it works. No, I do too. I think it's, it's, it's one of those things that um, going back to kind of bringing it together is like the, the world kind of has shifted from – you know, influencing on YouTube, like everybody wants a YouTube channel. Everybody wants a TikTok or an Instagram account. Um, product reviews. I, I get a lot of questions of like, why, why would I bother doing it? To be honest with you is the biggest mm-hmm. I question I get. Cause either the product sold out um, or everybody has it. Or by the time I get it in my hands, people that really wanted it, bought it. It's not going to make a, a big difference. Um, but I think, for the a little bit of the higher end stuff, the statues and stuff, and and even some of the mid tier stuff that you do, um, I I think it's I still think it's there's value in it, and I think there's value in what I do, um, and it's a different it's a different read I think, um, it's different content, it's a different way mm-hmm. to kind of stimulate thinking about what you're buying, um, so I appreciate the consistency of it, um, and is there like like you said is it is it is it just your preference is it just kind of or is it kind of like this is what works and this is what makes it easy like well you know i came up with the format um back on the usenet groups the idea of doing the separate categories yeah um you'll see that used constantly over the last 20 years right yeah everybody and their brother does it now but i was the first one to do that uh to break it up into packaging and sculpting and paint and and i just liked that at the time because it's always been my thought that, um, especially with, with an action figure or a statue, especially with an action figure, because there's this debate, right? Oh, it needs a lot of articulation. Oh, no, if the articulation hurts the sculpt, that's a problem. Oh, the costume, you know, it, there's a debate over what's the most important aspect. Mm. So if I just grade a, a toy overall, how do you know what my most preferred thing was right is did i grade it overall that as, as because of the sculpt or is it because it poses really well and i like articulated figures so by breaking it up into categories so you could break the sculpt up and give that a score break the paint out and give that a score you know people would 
I've had people who will write and say, hey, you didn't give this overall high enough grade. It's a fantastic looking figure. And I'd say, look, did you look at the, the sculpt and the paint scores? Yeah. They're perfect. Now, it sucked in other areas. Right. So it got pulled down in an overall. But why are you complaining to me? Off All you cared about was sculpt and paint. Just look at those two scores. Right. Judge based on that. And so that's why I, I originally did it that way is I thought it was, it was a little better – um, way of managing expectations. Yeah, no, I think it, I, I definitely think it works. I mean, the one part I usually skip, I'll admit is, is the packaging because I don't keep anything packaged so I can care less how something Mm -hmm. is is brought to you. But when I'm looking at like the consistency and pain or articulation or sculpting or, or any of those pieces, um, I do weigh value on it. So it's, so it's, I don't know from, from this collector, it's still, it's it's nice to see that kind of breakdown so you can make your judgment and the other thing is um it also helps me figure out what parts are <laughs> to be honest right. with you yeah oh absolutely there are times and I how look, to put stuff together right there are times i i look at a mezco and i go i'm not taking a chance <laughs> i'm gonna go look up uh and see how this yeah, part's yeah. used before i decide to break it or um or like in, in the in the in the case of um, like Catwoman, like I, I got to see like everybody was complaining about broken limbs, and I'm like, okay, so how did everybody else open this and not break her? Um, you know what I did? The end does not open her. Yeah, yeah, no. I think I ended up having to get. A, I think I went through two of them before I finally just the third one. I was like, yeah, it'll just stay in the box for now. Yeah, no, mine mine has not left her box yet. Um, so. Which is sort of the the NECA. I just got their. Uh, I, I'm picking up their Back to the Future line. Oh, yeah, and uh, they're Marty McFly. Yeah. Um, I I've haven't returned to toys that much, uh, and I don't know when. Um, yeah. I it, it was funny because I had bought it from Big Bad Toy Store, mm-hmm. and forgot. Yeah. And so I saw it at Target, and I picked it up, and then the same like the same day it shows up from Big Bad Toy Store. Mm-hmm. So I got to them. So I thought, well, I'll just take the one back target. So I take the one back target. I open the one up from Big Bad Toy Store, and the right arm at the elbow, I breathed on it and it snapped. Yeah. Um, so I boxed it back up again, and all right, let's go and buy another one at Target. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bought another one. Sure enough, that one snapped. So by the third one, I used a ton of heat. I mean, just it blasted it, and was able to finally soften it up enough to get it to start moving freely, and then. And then it worked all right, but, but yeah, that, uh, and, and, you know, that is a key part of the reviews is telling people what to watch out for. That's actually right. a category, right? In the review, right. what to watch out for. Don't do this. Be careful with that. Right. Um, I have broke so many things over the years. And when I do, I like to try to make it possible. So somebody else doesn't yeah. another part of the reviews is, you know, when you talk about their value, uh, another part of it is just simply letting the companies know what they're doing wrong and right. Yeah. Uh, it is a way for them to get feedback on what they did and what they should change as they go forward. And you see them change. You'll see Asmus change, you know, when, when people complained about the, the pegs, hot toys switched and uh, started adding wrist pegs. Mm-hmm. That was coming from the fact that reviewers were complaining about broken wrist pegs. Yeah. Um, you know, you'll see may, people make changes like that uh, based on uh, feedback from, from reviews. Yeah, no, 100%. I think I, my, my biggest concern is I've been waiting. I'm a huge Back to the Future fan, so I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for some kind of product other than the reaction line. They're okay, but they're not 
good like they weren't good enough for me they didn't so seeing that NECA got them I was really excited and I have been gingerly handling everything I got there because I don't want them to break mm-hmm. um, and I and I recognize it because I got the turtles bebop and rock steady last year um and uh they felt so brittle straight out of the package that I knew when I got back to the future I had to be a lot more careful mm-hmm. um because I'm I, I I love I love Randy I love talking to him I love some of the stuff they do um, but they do a lot of horror stuff and it's not my kind of area mm-hmm. so I haven't ha- I don't own a lot of NECA stuff besides like the turtles um, so I was really cautious about getting back to the future and there's part of me that wants to buy another regular Marty just in case. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried to yeah, it's a twenty dollar figure or thirty dollar figure, so it's not too bad. No, no, it's not. Um, they've been flying off the shelves though, so that's that's one of the issues. Um, they've sold out. Yeah, they have been doing well. Yeah, um, and Doc's on the way, so I'm excited about that. But yeah, the uh, that it's it's a good line, and I do have a lot of their product from over the years. I mean, you know, because again, I've known Randy since he started there, and mm-hmm. he was he first convinced them to stop making just bobbleheads and ashtrays <laughs> and start making toys. And, um, uh, they used to have some of the best parties at Comic-Con too. Um, <laughs> yeah. Gone are the days, but they, boy, they used to have some great parties. Oh yeah. No, I, even, even last year, cause I went last year, mm-hmm. even last year, a lot of the company parties were canceled. Like they weren't doing them. And it was, it was very disappointing. I will say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Missed those days. So, but yeah, no, they, they've, they, it's interesting if you look at the market because you had McFarland toys and, uh, and I've met Todd a few times. I actually, I actually was part of a, uh, focus group here in Michigan that mm-hmm. they did, uh, for McFarland toys. Uh, and in that meeting, we came up with the idea they'll probably never admit this, but we came up with the idea to do remember moving maniacs yeah. Yeah, 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 where you would do that. And then, and then NECA and soda took that and ran with it too. They did sort of a similar thing. Um, but, uh, the, the, it was interesting to see McFarlane sort of pave the way for action figures as we know them now as being collectible and higher end. Yeah. Um, and then like kind of drop the ball and just let it slip away from them and get off target and, and unfocused and NECA coming and really take over that market. Yeah. They uh, ran with that. And, ball. And they have done such a great job. Um, you know, people do complain about some quality at times. Paint is not always his best, and they do break. Uh, but they have the market with the, you know, they're one of the few companies still in mass in mass market retailers. Yeah, no, they they really kind of kept that up. Um, yeah, I think my biggest criticism, besides the you know the fragileness of them, was the face sculpts. I wanted something a little more neutral for the Back to the Future figures. I will admit that. Um, and like Doc and Marty don't really have a neutral look. Um, so that was my only kind of disappointment in them. Um, but everything else was, the accessories alone were worth it for me um, mm-hmm. to get all those different things. But um, so we're at about an hour. So um, tell people where they can find your stuff um, on the internet. Um, yeah, the website is uh, mwctoys.com. Okay. It has been for a very long time. Captain Toy Michael's Review of the Week. 
the um, you can also find me on uh, Twitter, Michael underscore Crawford, or maybe not Michael, straight Michael Crawford. Yeah, I get a lot of the. Uh, I'll I, I, every so once in a while I'll get a tweet where it says I mentioned, and they actually meant to mention the actor Michael Crawford. <laughs> um, and then uh, you can also find me on Facebook, Michael Crawford. Great. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks a lot. Thanks. This podcast was brought to you by Jackson Studios. Jax!